Listen to these words from John chapter 6. Jesus is speaking. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now these verses that I read are nestled right in the middle of a larger teaching by Jesus that is on the heels of him miraculously feeding 5,000 people with a handful of bread. He teaches the crowds that he's the true bread that came down out of heaven, which is like the manna that God gave the Israelites in the wilderness, but it's better because when you eat this bread, you live forever. And the bread, he goes on to say, is actually his own flesh and blood. And Jesus rebuked those crowds for watching the miracle and for seeing him, but not believing in him as the Savior. Now, as I say, tucked right in the middle of that larger teaching and those events are these words that we just read, in which Jesus explains, from one point of view, why he came to earth from heaven. So it's the why of Christmas, when the eternal Son of God was born of a virgin woman in Bethlehem and was called Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, in these verses we read, makes a claim, and then he explains it. Then he explains it another way. It's very straightforward. Listen to it again. Here's the claim. The claim is that Jesus came down from heaven to do the will of the Father who sent him. And then the explanation or the explication. Namely, that Jesus should not lose a single individual of the people whom the Father gave to him, but that he should resurrect them on the last day. And then he gives the explication in some slightly different words, that Jesus should give eternal life immediately to every single individual who both looks on the Son and believes on the Son, and that, once again, he should resurrect them on the last day. Now, that explication raises some questions we ought to be clear about. What is this business about the Father giving people to Jesus? That little comment reminds us that Jesus is the continuation of the whole Old Testament history of redemption. God long ago graciously promised to save a great multitude of sinners, guilty sinners, to save them for himself. And God gave that multitude to Jesus. Jesus has to put into effect God's saving plan. Well, why does Jesus make any mention about not losing any of them? He does that to remove any doubt and to assure faith. 
He wants it to be plain that God's promise extends to the whole multitude and to every individual in the multitude and that it cannot fail. So what does it mean to say that Jesus will give them eternal life? Well, it means first he will give them a brand new life in this world now. And also, finally, he will give them a resurrected life in a whole new creation. Well, how will people come to get that? That's what Jesus came to do. That's what he came to give. Well, they will possess his salvation by faith and by faith alone. And he tells us just what that faith will look like. It's in verse 40 where I read. I'll, I'll tease it out for us. He said, first of all, in verse 40, that this is for whoever will look on the sun. They will look on the sun. Now, when you talk about looking on the son of God, Jesus, that does not only apply to people who were on the earth while Jesus was walking around the Sea of Galilee. It applies to people in the past. It applies to people in the present. It applies to people in the future. Because this applies to all the people who looked on him long before he was born in Bethlehem. Who would those people be? People like the Israelites who looked on the bronze serpent in the wilderness. Like Old Testament people who looked on those bloody sacrifices. They were looking on a representation of Jesus. And this also applies to all the people who have looked on him as he is seen in the gospel proclamation where he's held forth. Like the Apostle Paul said of the Galatians. He said it was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. So they looked on him as the gospel was preached. That means this applies to anybody who's in this room who looks on Jesus Christ through tonight's gospel proclamation, of which this is a part and all these songs are a part and the other messages are a part. But you need to grasp this. The cross of Jesus Christ must be seen. If you're going to look on Christ, you have to, like the Galatians, see Jesus Christ and him crucified. The cross is necessary. That's what you have to look on. You know, Jesus is not in a position to go around giving out eternal life like a big old Santa Claus, just kind of willy-nilly distributing presents. He has to purchase that redemption. He has to make himself into what he earlier said was the bread out of heaven. He has to do that by sacrificing his own body on the cross. He has to do that by spilling his own blood on the cross because Jesus has to pay for sins. That's how he will do the will of the Father. Giving gifts, keeping God's promises, it sounds lovely, but understand that this gift of life by the promise of God comes at the awful price of an innocent man's bloody death. That is the will that Jesus came to do. 
to die on the cross and call sinners to himself. He goes on to say in verse 40 that they will believe in him. They will look on him and they will believe in him. Remember I said that's why he rebuked those crowds. They had looked on him, but they hadn't believed in him. What does it mean when he says they will believe on him or believe in him? They will trust in his work on the cross to save them. And they will rest in his work on the cross as enough to save them with nothing else needed. Trusting in him, resting in him. And this will make them into the ones that Jesus goes on rather gruesomely to say, eat his flesh and drink his blood. That's what it means to partake of him. It's to believe on him. That's how he's the bread out of heaven. He gives his body and blood and people believe they eat his flesh and blood by faith. And he says explicitly, he will give them eternal life, which means he will cause them to turn from their sins and follow him in obedience right now. That's the new life. And he will raise them up out of their mortal graves on the last day to enter his new creation. That is what Jesus came to do. So I call on all the faithful in this room to cherish this truth in your heart and to rest in it and to live by it. And I call on anybody in this room who's outside of Christ to keep listening to the gospel and keep looking on Jesus Christ as he's held forth here tonight. And finally, even tonight, to put your faith in him and be saved. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray you give us grace to see and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, make our hearts truly glad that Jesus has come to give us life and that he will raise us up on the last day. What a glorious, glorious truth. We bless you for it in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Why did Jesus come? This is what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. Jesus says he came that his people might have life that you might have life, if you're counted among his sheep, life, abundant, full, satisfying, contented, lives that are, that are flourishing. How can you have and experience this rich and, and full life, life to the max? Only through faith in Jesus Christ. Only through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus said earlier in John 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. This is a divine invitation for you to experience the joy and the rest of eternal life. Jesus is the only way for you to know salvation. He's the only Savior. He alone can rescue you from your sin. He is the door.
the way, the truth, and the life. Only through faith in him can you find the joy and the rest and the abundance of eternal life. He came at Christmas that you might have life and have it abundantly. Now, why is Jesus the only door, the only way to life? What did he do that allows him to say that? Well, Jesus was God's sole provision for your sin. He lived a perfect life. He alone fulfilled God's holy law and pleased God in every way. Then Jesus died on the cross as a substitute for sinners. He didn't die for his own sins, but rather for the sins of others. He stood in the place of sinners just like you. And he was punished. And he was judged. And he absorbed the Father's wrath against sin. He was an atoning sacrifice given by God for sinners. He died. The good shepherd laid down his life for the sheep. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. He conquered sin and death and was given resurrection life, new creation life. Jesus died to sin. He was raised from the dead, never to die again. And now he offers you abundant life. Life free from sin and guilt. Life full of contentment and joy and rest and peace in him. Life with resurrection confidence and and hope centered on knowing and being with Jesus forever and ever. Now you ought to be on guard. I want you to listen to Jesus' words carefully because Jesus has enemies. Those who stand against his exclusive claims and argue that abundant life can be found elsewhere. And these enemies will mislead you, and they'll confuse you. And so Jesus calls them thieves and robbers. The thief in verse 10 comes only to steal and kill and destroy, Jesus said. The very opposite of what Jesus came to do at Christmas. Who are these thieves and these robbers? They're false saviors who offer deceptive hope, and they're false teachers who offer deceptive alternatives to Jesus Christ. In verse 8, Jesus said, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. These are any public figures who wish to dismiss Jesus and convince you that he's not the door to life and salvation. They're false. Just like the Pharisees were in Jesus' day, they deny that Jesus is the divine Savior. They're blind to the glory of Christ. They're leaders who aim to deceive you from the truth. In verse 1 of chapter 10, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. All who deny that Jesus is the only way to forgiveness in life are misled. They're wrong. Anyone who suggests alternatives to Jesus is a thief, only distracting you from his salvation. Anyone who adds to the finished work of Jesus Christ and says, do this and live, is a robber. Their pathways lead only to death and destruction. 
Those teachings take you away from Jesus Christ, and they leave you in your sins, and they lead you closer to hell, a place of eternal death, a place called the second death. So I don't want Jesus' offer of eternal life, of abundant life, to be stolen from you. Apart from Jesus Christ, the only sinner, the only Savior who died for sinners, there's no hope of life. Who else ever atoned for your sin? How else can God's just wrath against your sin be appeased? Praise God that Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. So I beckon you on this Christmas Eve to come to Jesus Christ by faith, to trust him, and to find and experience life in him, the rich, abundant, full life that he offers. Enter by him. You can be his sheep, and you can enjoy the joy of his pasture. So look to Jesus this Christmas and say, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He came that I might have life and have it abundantly. Father, thank you that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ that we might have abundant life. And I pray for my friends who are gathered here tonight that you would be kind to grant them abundant life through faith in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus tells us yet more about why he came. He says there, I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. When I was a little boy growing up in Georgia in the early 1990s, there was a song that would play on country music by Reba McIntyre called The Night the Lights Went Out in Georgia. Well, when Jesus gives the statement about the reason for his coming in John 12, 46, it's on the day that the light went out from Israel. Jesus has already said in John chapter 8 that he is the light of the world. Whoever follows me, Jesus says there, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Savior teaches that whoever follows him, whoever believes in him, whoever has faith in him, will not continue in the darkness of sin and death, but will have the light of eternal life in Christ. But by the time Jesus says in John chapter 12, the verse we've already heard, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may, may not remain in darkness. By the time he says that, he's just days before his death on the cross. And the apostle John says of the people in Jerusalem at that time, when Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him. So the statement that we're focused on comes from Jesus' last public pronouncement before his arrest and sham trial and crucifixion. 
Those in Jerusalem, John tells us, did not believe in him. My question for you is, will you listen to Jesus? Will you believe his word to you? He says that he's come into the world as light, and you need light. You and I and every other person since Adam and Eve were born into the darkness of sin and death. In fact, it's worse than that. You and I were born not just into darkness, we were born blind. A darkness that comes from blindness is the worst kind of darkness because it has no end. We were born blind to our sin. We were born blind to our need for Christ. We were born blind to the Savior's beauty and His glory. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians that the God of this world, Satan, the devil, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We're all born blind. We're born in the dark. We're born in the darkness of sin and death. And so we need light. We need light to see our sinfulness. We need light to see the Savior which is Christ the Lord. We need, as Paul wrote to the Corinthians, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. That's in the face of Jesus Christ. We all need that. Isn't it marvelous then that Jesus says, yes, he says, even to you, my friend, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. To rescue sinners like you and me from the darkness of sin and death, Jesus entered that darkness on the cross. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that when Jesus was hanging on the cross for three hours in the middle of that spring day in Jerusalem, there was darkness over all the land. But the greater darkness Jesus endured came when he died on the cross and was buried for three days. Listen, so as to rescue his people from the darkness of sin and death, he took on our sin. He was our sin-bearing substitute. He was forsaken in his humanity by God the Father who poured out on his son the dark red cup of the wrath of God, poured it out onto the Lamb of God, dying on the cross. And Jesus, he took on our death, the death that is the wages for our sin, not his. He had no sin. And then having been obedient to the point of death, God raised him from the dead on the third day so that any who believe on Christ would be rescued from the darkness of sin and death, would be delivered from what Paul called the domain of darkness, and would be transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Would be transferred into the kingdom whose capital city, the Apostle John tells us in Revelation, is going to be in such light that there will be no need for a sun or a moon there 
for the Lamb, the Lord Jesus, is going to be the light of that city. That's what he accomplishes for his people. You who are here tonight who are outside of Christ, you dwell in darkness according to the scriptures. You dwell, God says, in the darkness of sin and death. It's an outer darkness so penetrating that you can't see your hand in front of your face. But I want to tell you on this Christmas Eve that light has come to pierce that darkness, to give you eternal rescue from sin and death. And that light is a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I call on you, come to him, leave behind your sin, come to him by faith and he will be for you the light of life, eternal life. Why did Jesus come? He's come into the world as light so that whoever, whoever believes in him may not remain in darkness. Let's pray. Our Father, how merciful and kind you are to give to sinners like us, born blind, born helplessly trapped in the darkness of sin and death to give to us the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, who for our salvation entered into our darkness so that we might be transformed from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son. Give all of us, I pray, faith in Jesus now and always. We ask it in his name. Amen.